um, when I had a, a, I had a neighbor this week who was really, really struggling and uh, about the decision on whether to send kids back to school. And so I, uh, I just basically taught her, um, I taught her a framework that we call triperspectivalism. I'm not going to try to use, I'm not going to use that word very much because it is the longest word I think I know. Uh, and it actually like makes my like jaws cramp when I try to say it because it's so long. And it's not important that you know the term triperspectivalism, um, but the concepts within it um, are really, really helpful. And, and it's a great tool for helping you make decisions. And so, um, and so let me pull up my uh, PowerPoints. Here it is. Uh, okay, so try, try perspectivalism. All right, so here's here's here is how um, what try perspectivalism is kind of based on. Um, it's based on um, it's based on this belief that the Lord um, communicates His will to us um, in, uh, in at various levels. Um, and the three levels that John Frame, who's who's kind of the primary proliferator and and um, uh, proponent of triperspectivalism, he lays out these these three different categories that we consider as we try to make hard decisions and we try to make godly decisions. And I think one thing, uh, one presupposition that we need to um, kind of establish here is that what we want as a Christian is God's will. What we want as a Christian is God's will in our life. We want to be faithful to the Lord's will, um, because in the Lord's will. Um, there's not necessarily safety, but there's no danger. And uh, outside the Lord's will, there's not necessarily danger, but there is no safety. Um, God's will is, um, as it says in Romans 12 two, it's pleasing, it's perfect, it's acceptable in every way. And so um, basically as a believer, uh, part of walking in faith is submitting ourselves to the will of the Lord. And you know, first coming to God and saying, God, uh, you are the good shepherd. Um, you are the king of my life. You're the king of the world. And I want to I wanna follow you. Um, and I want to submit and surrender my life. I want to submit my children's lives to your will. And so I ask that you deliver your will to us. Now, one thing is, a lot of times we have this, this uh, false notion that God's will is a game of hide and go seek. Like that God is going to hide it from us and we've got to go, you know, um, we've got to go try to look around and look down holes and look, you know, it's like when you lose your keys or you lose your cell phone or you lose the remote control, you know, that's not how God's will is. But I will say, um, he does make us come to him, come to him, come to him over and over again, does make us trust him so that we're not just looking for the answer. We're looking for him first. But when we look for God himself, when we seek, you know, to be close to the Lord and seek to submit to the Lord. His will naturally flows out of that. Okay, so now back to tribe perspectivalism. Uh, these three different categories that we consider as we're making decisions. The first is what we call the normative, and the normative is what does the Bible say about this situation? Now, this is obviously the primary category. Um, you know, the God, the the primary way that God communicates His will to us is through His Word. You know, his will is, is made clear to us um, through his commandments um, and, and through his law. So, 
you know, it's, it's, always, it's always God's desire that we are living in submission to his word. Um, and that is to be in God's will. Okay. But here's the thing. When we're talking about decisions where the Bible doesn't say like, you should send your kids to school or you should not send your kids to school or your children should wear a mask at all times or they should not, you know, things like that. Um, the Bible doesn't say explicitly what to do. And so this is where we kind of need to seek um, revelation from the Lord in, in, in additional categories. So the second category is the situational. And the situational is what are the facts of the situation? And I'm going to get into in, in more detail each one of these, but I just kind of want to introduce these three, three concepts to begin with. The situation is, what are the facts? What are the, the worldly facts? What do I know about the situation um, in, a, in, a, in a concrete, earthly manner? And then the final, final category is existential, the existential. And that is, how does my spirit feel about the situation? This is subjective. This has to do with my feelings. This has to do with me having a sense of peace, having a sense of trepidation um, as I submit my heart to God. How do I feel about this? All right. And so, um, so I'm going to now go through each one of these categories in a little more detail. Um, and then what, what, I'll, what I'll do is I'll kind of do a couple of case studies on how you would apply triperspectivalism in, in different situations. And, um, and then I will, um, I'll talk about it more specifically related to uh, COVID-19 and school decisions. But, um, but first, uh, the normative. Okay, so when we talk about the normative, again, the question is, what does the Bible say? What does God's word say about the situation? Um, you kind of have two different lanes. Um, first, you have God's inviolable commands. So like, you know, if, if a person is sitting here and they're thinking, hmm, should I have an affair with my secretary? You know, God's law is really clear on that. Like, we don't have to consult the situational. We don't have to consult the, the, you know, the existential. Like, thou shalt not commit adultery. You don't have affair with secretary, period. The conversation is over. You know, like, this is, this is, not, a, um, this is not a debatable kind of thing. Like, the normative trumps everything else. Doesn't matter how you feel about it. Doesn't matter the situational details of how much a person might dislike their spouse. Like God's law says you do not have an affair. And so in terms of making a decision, now granted, being faithful to God's law requires the power of the Holy Spirit uh, and, you know, and the grace of God. But like in terms of what's right, what's wrong, what's the right decision, it's very, very clear when it comes to God's laws. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of the first category. Where God speaks very clearly, that's, that's the end of the story. Now, then you also, in scripture, you have principles. These are general principles for godly living. And so, um, you know, like an example of this might be that God says that, you know, we're to, to love our neighbor. Um, God says that, uh, that debt is something to avoid. Um, now, he doesn't say that debt is always bad. He just says that excessive debt is something we want to stay away from. That's a principle. It's not a, it's not a absolute law. And, you know, loving your neighbor, uh, that looks different in different situations, right? It's a, it's how, how we love a person, um, can, can look, you know, can looks very different based on the situation. So you have these principles, um, that kind of give us some general guidance, but they don't necessarily like a God's law 
just you know absolutely answer the question in black and white terms. So that's that's the, that's the normative. Um, now going uh, going back here to is the PowerPoint. Uh, when we talk about this, the the uh, situational, you know, God, as it says here, this again, what is the what are the worldly facts in the situation? Um, you know, as I say here, God does not call us to live like idiots. You know, I think a lot of times Christians can be hyper spiritual, um, and they can, um, you know, just kind of uh, talk, think of, think that being faithful and having faith means that um, that we just kind of ignore common sense. And like God is, God is not. You know, there are times when God calls us to do radical things, but in general, like God does not call us to ignore common sense and common wisdom. You know, some examples of that in the Bible are like, you know, when God calls Solomon to build the temple, he like gives him the instructions. He like tells him what, you know, the materials. He gives him design. Uh, when he calls Noah to build the ark, he gives him practical direction. When the Israelites are about to leave um, Egypt, uh, he kind of gives them instructions on like, hey, this is how you need to leave. Like this, these are the food rations you need. Um, you know, Luke for, uh, sorry, in, in the book of numbers, like he tells the, the leaders to do a census of the people. Uh, that's very practical. Like, Hey, let's get a sense of how many people we have here. It's time to, it's time to do a census as we think about the distribution of the land. Um, Luke 14, 18, Jesus says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first, um, does not first, God, sorry, sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. So basically he's saying, of course, people use common sense. Um, and so sometimes too, the situational can involve uh, conversations with other people. So, you know, when we're talking about this, um, you know, trying to make wise decisions as it relates to COVID, um, part of the equation is doing your best to um, doing your best uh, to, you know, to know the kind of facts about, um, you know, about the healthcare situation, um, you know, does, and this, this is a hard thing because how politicized it is. And, you know, every day you hear something new on the news, but, you know, like calling your pediatrician and talking to your pediatrician about, you know, the risk factors and the transmission factors, like that is, uh, that is a, a faithful, godly thing to do. And that factors into the situation. And so the situational is kind of doing your, doing your homework on the facts. All right, so last um, is, uh, is the existential. And the existential involves the subjective factors, like your feelings and how God is speaking to you um, as an individual. And so... You know, I think, a, a, uh, you know, do I have peace or trepidation in one direction or another? Um, you know, and so when it comes to the existential, we have to be really careful because we're sinners. And so sometimes, like, sometimes we're afraid in a manner that's a reflection of our idols and our sin. Uh, but sometimes God gives us a lack of peace. And he is trying to communicate his will to us. I, I remember... Um, I remember I went once a long, long time ago, I was offered a job and um, it just on paper sounded so cool. And um, I was so into the idea 
And I was like, okay, Lord, you know, I want to pray about this and I want you to, you know, let me know what I'm supposed to do. Well, I want you to know I could not sleep, could not sleep for, um, for like three nights. And I'm like, what is up with this? I mean, I had this tightness in my chest and, um, and I'm like, oh, is this just a matter of I'm afraid to follow the Lord and da, da, da. Well, then I went to go talk to a couple of mentors and they are, this was the situational so existential, I had no peace. And so situational, I went to go talk to some mentors. And the mentors were like, I told them about the job. And they're like, this is a terrible idea. Like, this is, this is just like, you know, what, this job would require tons and tons of travel, particularly international travel. And your wife really struggles when you're out of town and you're thinking about having kids. Like, why in the world? Why in the world would you do this? And so you can see here that the Lord just, completely gave me no peace. And it was his way of communicating at the existential level, this is a bad idea. And then when I talked to some older, wiser people and addressed the situational aspect, they confirmed, they're like, yes, the, the, the facts that you're telling us say that this is, a, this is not a good idea in terms of your commitment to be a good husband and in terms of your own you know, relationship with the Lord and your mental health and so on and so forth. Um, so anyhow, so before we kind of get into some case study conversation here, does anybody have any questions or need some clarification on either the uh, normative, the situational, or the existential? Okay. Well, let's get practical. Woohoo! Who was it? Who was it who sang that song, uh, the Let's Get Physical from the 80s? Nobody remembers? Yeah, sure, you're too young. Olivia yes. Newton-John. Oh, bring it home, Studs and Newton-John. Oh, Studs, <laughs> it was so there. Sorry. You I still have a poster of them in, my, in, my, in our room. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Let's get practical, practical. We're going to get practical. Practical. Yeah, bring it on. Love it. Okay. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's talk about a case study, a college decision. Um, look at this, Marilyn. You're going to get two for the price of one, both a COVID decision and a college decision. Boom. How lucky are the, are the Dixons today? All right. So let's talk about a college decision um, operating at the normative, the situational, the existential. And so um, a child is trying to make a decision about uh, where to go to college. And so now at the normative level, the Bible just doesn't say a ton. It doesn't really say a ton about, um, you know, a college decision. The Bible does say that, you know, uh, you want to be careful not to rack up too much debt. Uh, it says debt is something to be avoided. Um, the Bible says that a child has to, needs to submit, while a child is under the authority of their parents, they have to submit to their parents. Uh, that factors in. If a parent's like, sorry, pal, you're not going to Cal Berkeley. Child's not going to Cal Berkeley. That's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of it. Um, and so the, you know, that, that factors in. The Bible does say that um, uh, we're to be um, a light to the world. So your child might be a Christian going to college where um, they're, uh, you know, they're, it's, 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 not, you know, it's not, like, not like a Christian college or anything. And the Bible also says that we need Christian community. Um, that we wilt when we don't have Christian community. And so, you know, as we think about, you know, think about those kind of things, like if you're looking at a campus, um, and there are some like this, where uh, 
the campus basically does not allow any Orthodox Christian organizations to meet. Um, there's no presence of Christian fellowship. I'd say it's probably, that's something to pay attention to. That, that's kind of integrating the normative and the situational. Like you, you look at, when you look at a college, you look at what the Christian fellowship situation is there. Is there, you know, is there a crusade chapter? Is there an intervarsity chapter? Is there an, an, a navigator's ministry? Is there RUF? Is there campus outreach? Is there some Bible-based confessional ministry on the campus? And if the, um, if the college doesn't allow those type of ministries, well, that seems like something to pay attention to, a principle, not a law, but a principle to pay attention to in terms of, you know, um, whether or not a, a school would be a, a good or bad choice for a kid. Um, okay, so, so those are a few things at the, at the normative level when we're talking about a college decision. Okay, then next you have the situational level. Um, and, uh, and, and, and these, these things, um, let's, let's think about this. For example, let's say that your child really wants to be an engineer. Well, um, that, that kind of rules out Wake Forest. Wake Forest, they will tell you at an admission session that like, if you want to be an engineer, this is not a place to go. We do not have an engineering department. They do have like a, um, I think like some kind of co-op with, uh, another, I think maybe with UNC or NC State where you know a student kind of does part of their time at wake and part of their time at nc state but in general like if you're looking you know i i kind of doubt that middle barrier bowden has an, an engineering department i might be wrong with that i'd be totally wrong but let's just say hypothetically like that's something to pay attention to your child wants to go in a certain direction they don't offer it that that is i don't want to hyper spiritualize it but that you know looking at those kind of factors um is part of discerning god's will um, God's God seems like based on the gifts that God, that God has given your child and the, um, passion the Lord has given your child for a certain vocation that this school is not going to in any way contribute to that. And so, you know, that, that can be a way that, um, that, 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 uh, those details factor in. And then finally, the existential is just a matter of the kid and the parents. Everybody needs to be praying. Everybody needs to be praying regularly for the Lord's will. Parents need to be um, repenting from their idols. I've seen so many parents and they had a great experience at this college or in this fraternity. And you can tell that the parent is pushing the child to go in that direction because the parent cannot delineate where they end and the child begins. The parent is trying to vicariously relive their college experience through their kid or the parent sees the child picking that school as an affirmation or a validation of themselves. And so parents have to be, um, parents have to be, you know, repenting from their idols and the high school kid needs to be repenting from his or her idols as well. Um, uh, who knows what that idol could, could be. It could be status. It could be um, partying <laughs> and they just really, really, really want to go to this school because um, you know, it's wild as Friday night. Um, you know, and so you have to pray about this kind of things. I'll just say for myself, when I was thinking about looking at colleges, uh, I don't know, the Lord really kind of got a, got a hold of me my senior year and I prayed and I, um, uh, I, I visited four or five schools and I didn't have a ton of peace. And the day I went to Wake Forest, it was like, I had this sense of joy, hope, and peace and that I hadn't have in any other school. And it was just clear to me, this is where God wants me. That was, that was, you know, it was within my parents' financial bounds because back then 
college tuition at everything at Wake Forest was less than $25, $25,000 a year. Um, and, uh, and I just, it was the only school. I was the only school I applied to in the end because I just felt so much peace that that's where I wanted to be. And so, um, so anyhow, um, so you can see how we might apply the normative situation on the existential in a college decision as a case study, those three kind of working together. Okay, so now let's, um, let's talk about, um, let's talk about COVID-19. Um, about the, uh, you know, about uh, uh, th thinking about how, as it pertains to going back to school, how we might apply this. And I, I want to say, um, uh, I'm not a, um, I'm not a, I'm not telling anyone one way or the other what they need to do. Uh, this is very, uh, probably more so than anything I can ever think of. This is something where individual families need to be praying, need to be consulting, uh, and talking to credible, credible people to gather the proper information. Um, and, um, and not worrying about what everybody else is doing. Um, not worrying about, you know, look, if it, if God, if, 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 you know, the Lord says, if, if you really don't feel any peace and all the information is pointing towards, you need to keep your kids at home. And it seems like that is what God is calling you to do. And you have this worry that, oh my goodness, my kids are going to fall behind. And we start to go down the slippery slope of now they're going to make bad grades and they're not going to get into college and they're going to end up peddling drugs in, you know, in, uh, on, on the main street of Homewood. Look, if God's calling you to do it, God's going to take care of your child for the long haul. He's got the future. We just need to worry about this decision. And so, so let's break this down. And I, you know, in terms of conversations I have, conversations we, we are having internally in our family, uh, I'm just going to kind of work through the norm of the situation, the existential. So at the normative level, um, the Lord, uh, some, some things to, to keep in mind. One is as a parent, um, you're both called to, um, to protect your kids. You know, your children, um, they are young. They don't have the life experience and the wisdom that you do as a parent. And so there is a, a part of um, your vocation as a parent that God has put you in uh, where you do need to think about protecting your kids. That's, that's one thing that we see in the Bible. Another thing we see in the Bible is that in, in Luke 2.42, that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with man, and favor with God. And so basically, this is talking about Jesus as a human child. Um, Jesus grew physically, stature. He grew intellectually, that's the wisdom. Um, he grew spiritually, that's the, the, the um, favor with God, the, the spiritual and the religious aspect. Uh, and he grew socially. Um, he grew in favor with man. So he grew at the, you know, in, in relationships and, um, yeah, in relationships with other people. And so Mary and Joseph, as his earthly parents, um, they had a role in seeing Jesus uh, grow and evolve and develop in those areas. So you've got both a call to see your, see your children grow in their gifts and, you know, and grow in these different areas. You as kind of like the, the God-ordained primary pastor of your children, but you also have a call to protect them. So, um, so you got that. And then you also do have, you do have the factors where as Christians, we are called to be a light to the world. And um, uh, we are called to be a light to the world. We are called to think about our neighbor above ourselves 
And so there's a call to, you know, to the greater good. And uh, this, sorry, this might be controversial and I might be overstepping here, but I just want to say like, um, I think it is a Christian responsibility um, to be compliant with what the government is saying about keeping yourself and the rest of the world safe. So what I mean by that is I think that, you know, uh, when we're around other people, we shouldn't be up in each other's grill. Uh, you know, we, I think when we're in public, it's, you know, we should be adherent to wearing masks if you go to the grocery store. Uh, sorry, I, I, I know this is highly politicized, but, but I think that there are lots of arguments for, in terms of loving our neighbor, um, that just common sense, just common sense guidelines, like six feet apart, wearing a mask, washing your hands, being careful. I think that that is, that, you know, in terms of the Bible's call to love people, just those common sense, basic things we should adhere to um, above our concerns about civil liberties. I don't mean to get political. Please talk to me offline if I've enraged you and we can, we can have a conversation. So those are some of the normative factors I just talked about there. I know you're, as I said those things, you're like, goodness, you did nothing to help me because all these things seem to be conflicting. Um, then, at the, then you have the situational factors. What are things that we know? So I've, um, I've talked to two pediatricians who have kids in the, um, in the uh, school system where I go. And, um, and then our, our pediatrician. And so we kind of know about our kids' health situation. Um, and uh, I've tried to, you know, as responsibly as possible, gather information about the risk of COVID-19 to my children. Um, you know, how do kids, um, you know, the, the ability of kids to transmit it to adults, and so on and so forth. And so, um, and so I'm not going to speak to that. I'm not going to kind of share the information that I've gathered because I think that would put me in a false position of authority. Uh, I think that if we were going to talk about that, then it would probably be better for us to have a pediatrician sharing those facts and details. Um, but, uh, but anyhow, that's information that I as a parent have gathered. And I would recommend that you do that too. And again, I would, I would encourage you not to rely on the Today Show or CNN or Fox News for that information, I would encourage you uh, to consult your pediatrician or consult someone that you know who you know is an infectious disease doctor, someone who has credibility on the topic. Maybe it's a nurse, I don't know. But you, you, you know, um, uh, if you don't have access to someone, uh, you know, to, I'm sure everybody has access to their pediatrician, but call me if, if, if I can help you with that, because we have plenty of healthcare professionals in our church who'd be happy to talk to you. So anyhow, so that's part of the situational, um, gathering the facts. And so then finally, the existential, this is where the prayer comes in. This is where we need to be close to the Lord. And in particular, we need to be um, uh, asked the Holy Spirit to do a deep dive into our sin and into our idols. You know, I, I will, I will uh, openly admit that I, that school and academics are an idol for me. Um, that was a big part of my false identity in school was making good grades. Even when I was, you know, doing my seminary degree as a parent with a job in my thirties where my grades did not matter. I still was like, still had this intensity of like, I want to make A's and A minus. I want to make good grades. Okay. So it's an idol for me. And I, I am prone 
to want to project that to my kids. So I know that I need to Cameron Cole needs to be careful to repent from that academics idol and not let that factor into what's the best decision for my children. Um, I think also we need to repent from worrying about what other people think about us. We need to remember that God, the father, um, he approves of us perfectly through the merits and through the merits of Jesus Christ. Like God is pleased with us. We have God's affection and affirmation. And that's what we need to worry about. We don't need to worry about what everybody else is doing. We don't need to worry about being judged for doing this or doing that. Um, we need to really just worry about being faithful um, as a spiritual leader to our parent, to our children. Um, that's an idol we need to be careful about. And then also too, we need to be careful about um, fear, particularly fear of the future. Because I know as a parent, we're, it's very, very easy to slippery slope and the spiral on things. Oh my goodness. If, um, if we don't do this, then this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And at the end of the day, our kids are either living with us at the age of 45, um, or they're in jail or they're living in a gutter. You know, that's, that's kind of as parents, like the outcome, if we make one mistake, that's where it ends for, for our children. And so, um, recognizing those idols and that part of our sin, we need to confess that to God, ask the Holy Spirit to purify our hearts. And, um, and then just, you know, can you say, Lord, let you know, I ask that you would govern the desires of my heart. Uh, you know, as, as scripture, Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your heart and be thankful. And so um, I think a way that you can kind of apply and interpret Colossians 3.15 is as I always say when I'm, I'm praying with someone, uh, and this is a big part, this is a big part of, of ministry with, you know, upper high school age kids, young adults, college kids, because they, they're making decisions for the first time in their life. Um, and um, uh, um they're making big decisions for the first time in their life. And so one of the things I always pray is, Lord, if it's your desire for this person to go in this direction, I pray that you'd give him uh, supernatural peace. And if it's your direction, desire that they not go in this direction, give them overwhelming, crippling anxiety. But they would know it's not your will. And so look, let me tell you, do you think God is going to be faithful to a prayer? God, I want your will, communicate your will to me clearly. Don't you think God's going to be faithful to that? Like that is that if there's anything that pleases God, it's you as a Christian coming to him and saying, I want to be, I want to, I want your will. I want to submit to your will. Let me just tell you, I can just guarantee you, God is going to make clear his will to you in his time, in his time. Um, and so with that being said, I, I have some wonderful friends. They go to the Advent and um, they are just they're very grounded lovely people their kids are healthy we have our children are like exactly the same age like it, it, you know just we're we're on the we're on the same schedule as far as procreation um and their kids uh we're in the same school yeah like i said same school system we're friends we see each other at the pool and they've been praying and they just they do not have peace about sending their kids to school they've done their homework um their kids don't have any, don't have any like pre-existing health conditions that would naturally say this is a bad idea, but they don't have peace. And so 
uh, God has spoken to them in that way, they're going to stay at home. They're going to do virtual school. Now, us, on the same, I mean, all things, this is a ceteris paribus situation, like we, ceteris paribus situation, like we, uh, we are, this, you know, praying to the same God, have all the same factors, and we, we feel peace. We feel peace about um, sending our kids to school. Uh, yeah, I don't have any, I don't feel any sense of like trepidation or anxiety about that right now, um, having worked through all of these things. I will say we are going to send our kids to school. But we're going to continue to be careful about, um, um, you know, thinking about being a good citizen of the world. Uh, you know, we're going to be we're going to be continue to be careful about not taking our kids out in public too much. Uh, my dad has COPD, um, very advanced lung condition, and so um, we're real, real careful about hanging out with G Dad, the grandfather. And um, you know, our kids haven't been close to G Dad for for four months now, and um, and that seems like, you know, loving him and being just obviously like common sense wise. So, um, so anyhow, that's, uh, that's pretty much what I have. Um, pretty much what I have. So do, do we want to open it up for discussion? Sherry, I appreciate you, um, you saying that, uh, the, really the end result is always living in a van down by the river with Matt Foley. God, that's good. Um, but yeah, anybody have any questions? Um, um, this is more of a, maybe a role as Christians, not necessarily as parents, but I mean, they're linked in, but so you talked about, um, sort of socially and civilly how we should, um, sort of respect the, the rules that are there, the laws of the governor and, um, and be, you know, loving our neighbors by showing respect for those laws and, you know, covering up our, you know, six social distancing, six feet apart, sure, yeah. masks and all that. And um, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, but uh, at the same time, like what, like what can I do and what can my kids be doing to be actually doing active ministry to be loving our neighbors during this time where we're not supposed to be in contact and touching because I, I think that that is a real a real thing my kids are very social but I think part of that is um when they love others they do so in a physical way and I think that's natural yeah. for children in general but I think especially for children that are very extroverted or just a very you know hands-on physical kind of um interaction and affection and, and at least two of mine are, are very much so and so for them they're feeling really disconnected I think they're feeling sort of lack of love and I think it really is affecting them because they also can't love others it's not just that they're feeling it on themselves but I think it's like being able to see friends or see their grandparents who have health issues and we don't want to be around that kind of thing yeah. so it's like what can what can we do as families that is still, I don't know, respectful and law oriented during this time, but that still is showing the love of Christ and reaching out. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I think, um, I think that there's still so much on the, that is on the table. Um, I think there can be a little, uh, I think there can be a little bit of a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater um, at this time of like, well, you know, we, can't can't be close can't be inside da, 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 da. you know we just can't do anything 
so I think a, a starting point to think about what, you know, what can we do? Like where, um, uh, you know, we can, we can still call people on the phone. We can still hang out with people outside. Um, and so, um, and so, yeah, I, I uh, but I think we probably want to do that within the realm of like, um, within the realm of protecting other people's health. So I think that, I think you're right. The tactile thing is hard for people who are, you know, real affectionate and, um, you know, like to love on people in that way. That's a, that's a, um, it's really, really tough, but I, I, we, we've kind of, we've, we've kind of instructed our kids, you know, what don't, don't be like, you know, don't be, uh, smearing your germs on everybody. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. I, and I, I don't know. I feel like this is a time where, um, I don't know about y'all, but I feel like in my neighborhood, it's been like the best of days in terms of like knowing our neighbors and, you know, our kids have played outside. We don't have, we, you know, our kids don't go, we, you know, all the parents kind of have a good night. Like no one goes to anybody's house, but our kids play together outside and we had backyard Bible camp um, in our backyard with all the neighborhood kids this week. It was, was great. Every, every kid wore a mask. They were really compliant. It was amazing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think we want to make sure that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't know if that's a, probably a not a t- terribly wonderful answer but that's maybe the best the big c has uh anybody else have a question hey cameron it's marilyn i have a question um if yeah. you would not mind going back in your notes it's something that you said at the beginning yeah and i just didn't have a chance to write it all down and it it started with inside of god's will something about no guarantee of safety yeah safety right danger could you repeat yeah that? yeah sure so um i once heard a, a preacher say this and i thought it was pretty good like Within God's will, there's not necessarily safety, but there's no danger. Right. Like it's not a dangerous thing. I don't know. Spiritually, spiritually I'm not speaking physically because God's will can be very physically dangerous. <laughs> Just ask the martyrs, right? Um, but, um, but spiritually, um, there is no danger mm-hmm. in being in God's will. Being outside of God's will, um, there, is, there is no spiritual safety outside of God's will. Uh, uh, Marilyn, do you remember Max, um, Max Perez from Costa Rica? Yes, I do. So I can remember he came to a staff meeting once at the Advent. This this captures it pretty well. Um, he was doing ministry in, in Pakistan and, uh, one of the clergy asked, like, is it feasible for us to send Adventers to Pakistan? Is it too dangerous? And Max goes, uh, if it is the Lord's will, for Adventers to be in Pakistan, then the most dangerous place in the world is Mountain Brooks, Alabama. Ah. <laughs> good. So that good. kind of captures it. There is, it would not be a physically safe thing for uh, any Adventer to go to Pakistan. Um, but if God was calling an individual Christian to go to Pakistan, then it would be dangerous for them to stay where they are and not follow God. the Lord there from a spiritual standpoint. So outside God's will, there is no safety, but there is danger. Uh, there, uh, yeah, there is no safety. Sorry. There's not necessarily danger, but there's no spiritual safety outside of God's will. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions? Going once. Going twice. Any other, any other comments? Letters to the editor. 
All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay, so yeah, just review. Normative, situational, existential. Be a, a, like, especially as you're like working through your kids, working with your kids, going through different situations. Am I going to play basketball this year? Uh, you know, am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Am I going to do a summer job? This is a great, great uh, framework for you to use, but also to teach your kids so that they, um, yeah, they can have tools for discerning the Lord's will. Uh, let me pray for us. God, thank you for um, this time. Thank you for, um, thank you that you do not leave us on our own, that we're not just uh, alone trying to make these decisions um, with our very, very finite knowledge, but instead, like we have a friend and the Almighty God. We have a friend and you, the all knowing Lord. And um, you're not far off. Though you're in heaven, you're with us through the Holy Spirit. You dwell in our heart, you're all around us. And so, we just praise you, Lord Jesus, for um, the gospel, for your work and your life, death, and resurrection, such that you have secured this type of relationship for us as sinners with uh, the holy and all wise God. And so, for each one of us, Lord, pray that your will would reign in our hearts. Give us great peace, hope, and joy where you intend for us to go. Give us overwhelming anxiety where we should not go, such that we do not walk outside your will, um, and we do not walk outside the safety of being um, uh, of, of following your voice. And so, trust you, Lord. Ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Next you, next week. Uh, has to do with fear and anxiety, role versus responsibility. It'll be a goodie. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Cameron. Everybody have a great Sunday. Yeah. You all too. Bye-bye.